Welcome to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined, and dedicated to silencing the chatter about what women should and shouldn't be doing as they age. Here to bring you stories about women in their 70s, 80s, and 90s, women who are leading inspiring lives that make a difference to themselves and others, are Catherine Marino and Gail Zalitsky. Hi, I'm Gail. And I'm Catherine. We are the active voice of Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined, and we're delighted to welcome you to today's episode. Each week, we showcase vital women in their 70s, 80s, and 90s who continue to shatter the myths that we become invisible as we age. The 30-minute conversation with our guest focuses on several themes that we've agreed upon in advance. Jennifer Granger is 81 years old. She's an inspiring advocate of proactive aging. She lives in the wine country in Lodi, California. Jennifer, like Donna Marie Scheifler, who was our episode 31 guest, was referred to us by Kamala Murphy, where they met in a speaking circle. The areas of expertise that Jennifer is known for include copywriting, ghostwriting, editing, manuscript evaluations, and her own book, Becoming Conscious, One Woman's Story of Spiritual Awakening. She has helped five others self-publish their books, and that led her to ghostwriting other people's stories. Jennifer belongs to the Northern California Publishers and Writers Group, the NCPA, and has been one of the judges for their book award events for the last three years. She's also a member of the California Writers Club in San Joaquin Valley. I like to think of Jennifer as a bundle of energy who not only takes her work very seriously, but also her health, fitness, and positive attitude. And perhaps most importantly, she is recently married to a 71-year-old man. Jennifer, it's with great pleasure that we welcome you to Women Over 70 Aging Reimagined. Shall we start by discussing the difference between copywriting and ghostwriting and how you wound up in this field in the first place? Yeah, certainly. So ghostwriting, um, that's when the writer, which would be me, does the writing of somebody's story or whatever it is they want to publish. And then when it's published, there's no mention of me and the person that I was writing it for. They are known as the author. That's why it's the ghost writing. Sometimes, almost always, when you see a book by a celebrity, it was ghost written. And sometimes they'll say, uh, you know, as told to, or uh, they might they might give some credit to the ghost writer. But usually, I'm the writer, and the other person is known as the author. Copywriting is a very common everyday business title where people work in corporations, uh, businesses. They write print ads. They write um, marketing copy. If you get an email in your email box that says, um, look at this, we've got something new for you. It was written by a a copywriter. That's their job. They get paid for it. Uh, But copywriting is a very much um, open to freelancers. A lot of people have made their their career as a freelance copywriter. So that's, it's more business, more informational, more product oriented, that kind of thing. And how I got started in ghostwriting, I never really thought of myself as a ghostwriter. I mean, I never thought of myself as a writer. And I think that happens with people that I've heard that if it's something's easy for you, you think it's not worth anything. 
but I come from a long line of writers. Uh, my grandfather was an editor of a newspaper. I have two uncles that were journalists. I had an uncle who was a writer for The New Yorker. So I think part of it's just maybe in my blood. So I helped people uh, publish some books, and um, then I wrote my own book. And then this woman that had been in one of my classes, I was doing some you know, spiritual growth community kind of classes. She was in that class. Uh, she also had come to me. I was doing some uh, energy therapy, you know, if you're familiar with emotional freedom technique or neuro-linguistic programming, stuff like that. And uh, we got to be kind of close. We, we developed a real connection, and she had read my book. And so when she decided she had had something in her life she felt really needed to be out there, she called me and asked me if I would ghostwrite it for her. And I've been told that when somebody offers you an opportunity, you say yes, and then you go figure out how to do it. So that's what I did. And it's been a wonderful experience. And that just led to, to other people, um, which then led to me changing my focus from coaching uh, business women in sales and marketing to um, ghostwriting and editing and manuscript evaluations and, and that sort of thing. So as so many things, it just sort of happened by accident and it turned out I was really good at it. So I'm curious, Jennifer, has it been difficult for you in any way to be the ghostwriter and not get public recognition for your work? No, not at all. I, I really don't like the spotlight. <laughs> Um, so it's always uncomfortable for me to be out front. I'm, I'm the one that sits in the circle of people and I don't say much until I've got something that seems like it's really, really relevant. Um, so no, it doesn't bother me at all. Tell, tell us something about your own book. Is it still available for purchase? Well, it is. If uh, somebody, I don't have it on Amazon. I just you know, have my supply here, and if somebody wants it, they can contact me at uh, Jennifer at uh, jennifertheeditor.org or jennifer at jennifergranger.com. Either one will get to me. Um, it's $15, and uh, that includes shipping and tax. And what's it about? Tell us a little bit yes, about it. Yes, well, my goodness. I started out very left brain. I grew up in a family where it was, well, and in the time, I'm sure that you can relate to this, where men were superior to women. And my, my dad was uh, a salesman, so he was a very outgoing kind of guy. And my mother was the sensitive, smart. She was waste. She was so smart, but she was the typical woman behind the man. And I got it really early on. If being a woman is not very much fun. And I decided anything I could do that would be like a man, that anybody that said, boy, you, you, do, you drive like a man, oh, I'd be so proud. Um, so that was kind of the background of, you know, developing my left brain. I was completely out of touch with my emotions. I had no, emo no connection to emotions whatsoever. I, one spiritual teacher said I looked like a, a floating head. <laughs> I was not grounded oh. at all. So then I met a person who, she was a very fascinating woman and got me into the spiritual journey. And it was quite a shift to, I think she told me, she said, you know, you just need to follow your heart. And I said, what does that mean? I, I have no idea. And she said, that means you do what you want to do. 
I said, well, I, I can't do what I want to do. I have a business to run. This is ridiculous. But she was convincing, and little by little, I, um, you know, began to, she just fascinated me, and I had to figure out what is she about and what is this all about. So that's what got me started on the spiritual journey, and um, I wrote about it only because I didn't think anybody would read it, but I had the ability at the time to spend my days any way I wanted, and I was called. Mm -hmm. Write your story, write your story. Especially, I was married at the time. This was in the early 90s. And uh, women in my circle that were married were getting divorced in order to continue on their spiritual path. They felt like they couldn't do it and stay married. And I did stay married through that. Uh, and I thought, well, I don't know why I'm writing this. Nobody will read it. It's very esoteric. But people, mainly it was my, I kept thinking I was going crazy. <laughs> it's like, I must be crazy to be feeling this or thinking this. But way back when in the 90s, I realized that we were going through a time of great transformation and that people would be um, changing their, their viewpoints or their way of thinking, expanding consciousness. And somebody asked me, well, how come this is happening now? Why, why all this spiritual stuff now? And I said, well, it's because they don't burn witches at the stake anymore. So you're, you're kind of free to, to be who you are. And so I just wrote my story. I, once it was done, I had 50 copies hand-bound. I thought maybe some of my students or whatever. Well, those sold like crazy. And since I'd been helping other people publish their books, I thought, well, I guess there's a market for this. So I went ahead and, and had some published. And even though my journey was very, I'll say esoteric, because what I was involved with was a, a, a philosophy called Awakening Your Light Body. And back in 1990, that sounded pretty strange. But people of all spiritual, religious backgrounds related to my journey, not so much about the actual light body experience, but my journey, my, my wondering, am I just going crazy? And, you know, having new philosophies like everything happens for a reason. Uh, you know, there are no accidents. And then I had an experience that shattered all of my beliefs. I didn't know, uh, I, I didn't know what to believe anymore. So it, it was kind of interesting, and people seemed to like it. And I published that in 2006. Are you able to share what that experience was? Yes. I, well, first I'll have to say, <laughs> and I always laugh because it's so silly, but the reason I really decided I was going to get on this spiritual path was because I wanted to have a spirit guide that would tell me everything to do so nothing bad would ever happen to me. <laughs> Boy, was that... <laughs> that was certainly a mistaken. <laughs> um, but what happened is I uh, ended up getting shingles. And I just thought, how could I get shingles? Oh, it was so painful. Oh, it was horrible. And I thought, how could, how could I get shingles? I mean, I've been so dedicated to spirituality. And, and where are my guides now when I need them? And um, it just really shattered everything. And then, and then I started, I don't know, somehow I started hearing about other people. I, I heard about a family. It was a, a religious, I don't remember his religion, but a pastor and his wife that had five boys. And they, um, 
had gone someplace in their van and they'd stopped to get gas and the husband and wife went into the little mini mart and while they were in there a driver lost control of his car smashed into their van and and all of their five children burned alive and the pastor and the wife how shattered they were but they never lost their faith in god and i was like wow <laughs> that just it impressed me and i also got so taken by so much I don't know difficulties in the world the horrible things that people deal with and um, you know I just had to look at all of my beliefs they were like shards of glass at my feet shattered and you know just begin to pick up what do I what, what I realized is I had traded one belief system for another and it's like what do what is really true for me that I know is true based on my own experience and then I was able to uh, re reorganize pick up the pieces that I knew were mine and leave the rest behind and and come through a you know a new person in a way and I thought why did this happen to me and I realized that I could have lost a loved one I could have had you know anything happen but pain is something I do not I don't do pain and pain really the pain of shingles was the only thing that would have gotten my attention to pay attention to what are my beliefs? Why do I believe it? What do I know for sure to be true? So I would never want to have shingles again, but I am grateful for the learning that I that I got from it. Yes. Thank you. you. Know, <laughs> thank you for sharing that, right. And on your website, you have a quote that I thought was very meaningful. And it says, what we focus on expands and we, what we are grateful for multiplies. I like that. That's one of those beliefs I can, decided to keep. <laughs> <laughs> and the other one that goes along with that is what you think about, you bring mm -hmm. about. And, you know, it's once a person starts really paying attention to the words they say and become conscious of that, and then they... You know, then I hear people say things, and I'm, I'm like, oh my gosh, do, you, do you really want that? You know, there's so much power in our words, and I love it when my friends will say to me, I might say something, oh boy, that just kills me, and they'll say, really? And it's like, oh no, 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 that that thing really affected me because I, I don't really want to be killed by something. So uh, just becoming really conscious of our of our words. So what you think about, you bring about. I like that yes, as well. Right. Well, you know that we can't let this this episode expire without our hearing about how it is that you met your husband and uh, got married last year. Yes, isn't that something? You know, I've always been a great believer in you're never too old. <laughs> And, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, I decided, decided, you know what, I am too old. You know, it's just, it is too old, and, and that's too bad, and I'm not going to live forever, so whatever, it's fine. So in my writing, as I mentioned, I was a, uh, or you mentioned that I was a judge for book awards, and the judges that belong, you know, they come from all over. And at the end of a period of time of having had an opportunity to review books, then the judges come together and compare their reviews and decide where the awards go. 
And uh, my husband, Barry, was, he lived about 95 miles away. So he was north of Sacramento and I'm south of Sacramento. And so I met him for the first time at the uh, Book Awards Judges Luncheon where we came together. And um, I was, you know, I wasn't particularly attracted, but what I was attracted to was he came from Nevada City. And I love Nevada City. It is a charming, gold country, a very kind of spiritual oriented kind of place that I had spent a lot of time at. So um, my interest in him was just going to Nevada <laughs> City to, to, wow. to have lunch. <laughs> and then uh, and then he came to Lodi and, and had lunch. And again, there was not that much um, attraction. But we started having phone conversation, and he is so funny. And he's very, he's very intelligent. Uh, he's very open. Uh, in other words, some I have never met a man. I've been single for uh, I've been single for twelve years. I had not met a man who had any openness at all to the idea of spirituality or consciousness expansion or any of that. And he was really open. And he'd also done a lot of his own inner work. So you know, he had a lot of depth, and so the the, the combination of um, we share writing, and um, he can talk for hours. And I'm not much of a talker, so <laughs> he he can talk, and I can listen. And then when it's time to figure out something about our books or our writing, you know, he can edit my stuff. I can edit his stuff. And finally, you know, 95 miles is a distance to be traveling back and forth, and um, Actually, when I had met him, he thought he was going to leave Nevada City and move to Panama. So instead, he moved to Lodi. <laughs> so we got married in Nevada City July 10th. And on July 24th, his uh, moving van uh, came and loaded up his three bedrooms worth of stuff and came to my house that is three bedrooms full of stuff. And we've been sorting out our stuff ever since. <laughs> almost, almost got it integrated. It's, it's, it's been a fun journey. I'm interested why you didn't move to Nevada City if you had such. Yeah, well, he would, he had was already wanting to leave. That's been going to Panama for twice a year for a couple of years, getting ready to move to Panama. So he was out of there. I would have moved to Nevada City because I I love it there. Um, but it ended up that he came here, so that that worked out okay. After being single for twelve years, how did you? Oh, and let me mention, he's been single for twenty-seven. Oh my. Years. <laughs> so how did you two find living together after all that time? Well, it's been so interesting. Um, he's, he's so good to, let me back up a little bit, that when we get into issues or problems, it's because both of us are trying so hard to do the right thing for the other person. And then we'll end up getting our feelings hurt. But it's been so good for me because... Um, He's very good about encouraging me to express myself, which was never, you know, I mean, I just learned early on as a child that not talking was the best way to get along mm -hmm. in life. So it's been, um, you know, ups and, ups and downs, you might say, but because we have humor and because we really do love each other, that uh, we, and we understand that when one of us gets triggered, it's really about you know, 90% us and 10% the other person, it's an opportunity for growth. So it's been challenging for sure, but definitely worth it. <laughs> and if I may say, you you told me that sex was good too. 
Oh, I should say when there's those moments like, what did I get myself into? I just uh, remind myself about Saturday mornings. (laughs) (laughs) And, 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 I don't know, thankful to the Viagra God, I guess. <laughs> and just affection, you know. You know, I mean, there's some men that don't like holding hands or, you know, being affectionate at all. And, you know, we always start the morning with a hug and a kiss. And as we pass each other in the kitchen, it's a hug and a kiss. And, um, you know, we eat different foods, but we cook together. And, uh, yeah. And we go dancing every Friday night. So now I have a partner for dancing, which is really nice. <laughs> That's great. Well, what, what can you tell our listeners about health and fitness? And I know you value that very much. Yeah, when I was, I'm trying to think exactly, but I think it was right around when I was 60. And I realized that if, you know, that, that if I wanted to be really strong and healthy in my 90s, that I really needed to take care of myself. So I started in with exercising. I actually have a Nordic track that I bought in 1984, and I still use it. Right now I'm doing 20 minutes, 20 minutes a day when I was in my 40s or whatever that was, 45s. Um, I was 45 minutes a day on the Nordic track. But uh, that thing has um, been, uh, yeah, it's been part of my life. And my goal is that when I'm 90 years old, I will still be able to climb two flights of stairs carrying two bags of groceries. <laughs> that, that, that was my vision in my 60s. Um, as I'm 81 now, it's probably not likely I could carry two bags and probably not likely that I could go up two flights of stairs. But um, I exercise Monday, Wednesday, Friday with you know weights and that sort of thing and Tuesdays and Thursdays I do a 25 minute stretching and 20 minutes of five days a week on the Nordic track and then dancing on Friday nights so that's um because you know the thing the other thing I just would have to say I hear so many people talk about getting old and it's like I read a book once that said your body believes everything you say about it and I took that to heart so I, I bless my body and the parts that I've got and, and, you know, grateful for all of that. And whenever I hear somebody say, oh, I'm getting old, I'm like, oh, gosh, if you just knew what you, how your body was taking that, it would be, you wouldn't, you wouldn't do that to yourself. So, yeah, um, a- aging is inevitable. Getting old and decrepit is that's a choice. That's mm-hmm. optional. For sure it is. Wow. You're, you're very inspirational, Jennifer. Do you have anything else oh. you, you would like to leave our listeners with? That um, I think I'd just like to say something about the times that we're living in right now that are so full of turmoil and uh, so much distress really around the world that to just keep remembering that each of us is the center of our own universe and that what we do have control over is our own environment and our own mental state. And um, we do have the choice of what we think about and what we say and how we treat ourselves. And I just would encourage everybody to acknowledge that they are the center of their universe. They are the the queen, (laughs) the king of their universe. And to really um, pay attention to themselves, do what they need to do for themselves, and uh, not 
not get so caught up in in all of the tragedies around the world that it takes away from our own everyday happiness. Right. Very good. Well, on that note, thank you so much for being on Women Over 70. Oh, thank you for having me. This was a delight. And listeners, we want to hear from you. Please share your thoughts on Facebook at Women Over 70. Ask questions, add to the conversation. Tell us what topics you'd like to hear more about and become an active participant in our community. Our goal is to create a conversation across the generations. You can access our weekly Wednesday podcast at womenover70.com. And if you know a vital woman over 70 who would be a great guest, please recommend her to us on our website. Thanks to the School of Continuing and Professional Studies at DePaul University for use of their recording space. I'll see you next Wednesday on Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined. Thank you for listening to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined. If you like what you've heard today, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen. In what ways are you shattering the myth that women over 70 are no longer relevant or visible? How are you celebrating aging? Join with us. Make your voice heard. Find us at womenover70.com.